Um, let's look at Ephesians if we can. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. It says, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. There's another level of our walk with God that God expects us and intends us to walk in, and that's being filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, we've been born again. We've been saved. If you have been, that's a wonderful thing. You get to go to heaven. But there's another level called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not going to get into all the ramifications of that today, but I do want to, I want to make some, some points about it. And we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is a problem solver. And we're living in a day and age where there's a lot of problems that are happening, a lot of problems happening in our lives. How many of you have some sort of problem that you're facing right now in your life that is a, is a dilemma? Like maybe a demon-possessed boss, a crazy wife, a lazy husband. I don't know what you got going on. But somewhere it's as if you can't get out of the situation. The truth is it doesn't matter how big or small someone thinks your problem is. It's relative because it's a big deal to you. And that's what's got to happen. You've got to understand that God wants to solve the problem that's happening in your life. Let me just say, we need the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost brings us wisdom when facing problems in our life. Look at Exodus chapter 35, there's verse 31. By the way, wisdom and discernment. But look at this. Look what it said. This is over Joshua. And he was filled with, uh, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, understanding, in knowledge, in all manner of workmanship. So Joshua, in order to lead God's people into the promised land, was filled with the Spirit of God that brought wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and all manner of workmanship. So one of the greatest things that God brings us through His Spirit is wisdom. Wisdom to lead, wisdom to discern, wisdom on how to do this and that. Also, he talked about crafts or workmanship. In other words, there's creativity that God uses, it God puts inside of us in order for us to be able to go to the next level, in order for us to be able to overcome and so on. And what I want to talk about today is how to keep your spirit right when all hell has come up against you. When your problem is persistent, how do you keep your spirit in the right place? You can be a little dazed and confused in your mind and still make it, but when your spirit is offended, when your spirit's not right, you become miserable. I'm tired of God's people being miserable. And let me just tell you something. It keeps them from God's best. It keeps them from fellowship. keeps them from the house of God. keeps them out of God's word. One thing after another. If you're a child of God, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Come on, somebody. And there's no excuse for that. Because he lives inside of us. Matter of fact, Proverbs 17:22 says, A merry heart does good like medicine. But a broken spirit dries the bones. So if I'm not, if I, by the way, just turn your neighbor and say, joy up. Joy up. Get your joy level up. Come on. Joy up. Because if I don't, it can actually cause my life to be unhealthy, my mind to be unhealthy, my body to be unhealthy, my relationships to be unhealthy. Look, there's nothing about the spirit of God that is stagnant. Not one thing about him is stagnant. He is life and he is in you. As a matter of fact, John 7, 38 says this. Jesus spoke this. He said, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So there's a flow of God like, a, like rushing water. And with this rushing water, there's life. 
There's life, and life produces, and life multiplies. Life is fruitful. It's not a stagnant pond where no life can grow. Thank God for the river of the Holy Spirit day after day after day that makes our life new and makes it renewed. Come on. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given at that point because Jesus was not yet glorified. Thank God he's now glorified and at the right hand of the Father. So now that Spirit can flow, Holy Spirit can flow, and the river of God can continue to flow. Without the Holy Spirit, we're just playing church. And I don't want to patty cake and play church and, and pretend and say all the nice, nice religious Christianese and nice religious words. It's more than that. Come on, somebody. No, without the Holy Spirit, it's just playing church. It's just another religious game. The Spirit of God will come, and when the Spirit of God comes, he doesn't always come nice and easy. Yes, he loves us, and yes, he comforts us, but he also corrects us. And we got too many pulpits of people. Come on, somebody that are up there trying to comfort all the time and not really bringing the word of correction that betters people's life, that helps people's life, that deals with the issues that are going on in their life. And get much claps, but I'll say praise God anyways. Maybe that's my problem. I'm just too hard on folks, but I want people to know the truth. If somebody runs out on here in Howell Avenue in the traffic, what are you going to do? Excuse me. Excuse me. Could you slow down? some traffic? No, you would scream, hey! Stop. You might offend them. They might look back and go, what are you talking about? But you're trying to save their life. So I love grace. I need grace every day of my life. I love it. I preach it. I believe in it. It's the word of God, and I need it. But it's, if it's all grace and no correction in your life, it is going to be an unbalanced gospel. We need to hear the truth of God's word. But hearing the truth with love or in love, not judgment. You can love people, tell them the truth without judging them to condemn them and make them feel wrong or less of themselves than they should. When people come in the house of God, we're to call them a tree of righteousness, call them something that they've never heard, never heard before. You're somebody, you're going somewhere, God loves you, even when you know their lifestyle. Amen. But we also say, but here's what you got to understand. Here's what God expects of you if you're a believer in his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So you speak the truth, but you do it with love, not hurting them, but helping them. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 says, Though I speak with the tongue of men and angels, but have not love, I become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. So if I go out there and tell people, I won't tell you the truth, you're going to hell. Most people know they ain't going to heaven, that's for sure, right? So now what are you doing? You're nothing more than a banging on the drum of a brass instrument or a clanging on top of a cymbal. What does that mean? That means it's going to be loud, abrasive, and annoying. We don't need more Christians being loud, abrasive, and annoying. Something about your life ought to draw people to Jesus, not push them away. Amen. We need some mamas and some papas in the house of God that will stand up. And you might be young, you can still be one because you're mature in Christ. And say, I love you, God loves you, but you can't keep living this way. Let me help you, baby. Let me help you out. That's what we need, people to love people to tell them the truth. Some uh, of the attacks that the enemy uses, and the number one one is this. 
he uses against us is discouragement. If I've ever seen anything, I've seen God's people get discouraged over and over and over again like a broken record. Discouragement is designed to take the courage out of what's meant. Listen, it takes courage to keep your mouth shut when other people are antagonizing you, probing you, tempting you, egging you on to fight them. I say learn, if you want to stay encouraged, learn to keep your mouth quiet when people are trying to what? Jab at you. What's it going to do? Bring more discouragement in your life. Don't be drawn into a fight that you're not supposed to be involved in. Why in the world would you want to be involved in a fight? You can't win that kind of fight. It's a no-lose, no-win situation. And so instead of being discouraged, we have to be encouraged. Encourage ourselves. Jude 20 says this, But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. I build myself up. I, that's what words mean. I encourage myself up. By praying in the Holy Spirit. So when I get to pray in the Spirit, praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit of God, I'm literally building myself back up. Praying in the Spirit will keep you walking in love. Praying in the Spirit will keep you out of trouble. Praying in the Spirit will give you discernment you didn't have. Praying in the Spirit will keep you walking in grace. Praying in the Spirit will keep you walking in forgiveness. And praise God, we'll keep you walking in faith, to walk by faith and not by sight. Tonight at 555, we're going to pray, and some of us are going to be praying in the spirit. We want you here to continue to pray with us to see big things happening, because we're going to see a move of God happen on Thursday night, and Thursday night, God's going to flow by his spirit. You better jump in the river, and the river's going to sweep, come on, it's going to sweep us through and get us where we need to be. Church, we're not to act or react like the rest of the world. We're not, to walk, we're not supposed to take the world's uh, lead on anything. We're to be led by the Spirit, the Bible says. Being led by the Spirit. The Bible says he leads us and guides us in our daily affairs every single day of our life. And some of you need a dose of the Holy Ghost, especially when you're driving in traffic. I caught some of you off guard on that one. Amen, that's when you get stirred up. Come on, that's when the enemy tempts you. Say, get mad, get angry. Tell them off. Find that other lane. You know what the other lane is, right? It's called the shoulder. Hallelujah. That's how you can get around any problem. Hallelujah. It's illegal, but it's fun when you're angry, right? Ephesians 4.20 says, but you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him. How many has been taught by Jesus? Come on. As the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Created in God in true righteousness and holiness. Somehow, I don't find cussing somebody out in the parking lot at Target, when they take your parking spot, I don't find that righteous or holy. Christians get angry. And if you don't get them on time on church, they get hangry. I promise I'm going to get you out on time. Hallelujah. Because I don't want to be hangry either. Amen. 
But I've had some issues like this and, 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 and get tempted to be angry and mad. Let me just tell you something. It comes back. What you reap or what you sow, you reap, right? So I was driving one day. And um, it was in Beloit, and we had church in Beloit at the time. And, and um, I was going home, and we got some traffic. It was like some road construction or something. And so people weren't moving fast enough for me. For me. Y'all know me. Hallelujah. And I'm just like, I'm just like Tom, I just want to go home, you know. And I feel like nobody else got, they, they just want to play. Just wanna, Isn't this traffic wonderful? Let's just sit and watch it all. I'm like, I'm trying to get out of here. And I know all you are saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, redeemed, blood-bought Christians, never have any problem with sin or any type of things. So I'll just tell them myself because you all are perfect. But I know there's one person that's like me, and I'm going to help that one person today. Hallelujah. And so I forgot I was a preacher, and I got mad. And the person in front of me is lollygagging. And, you know, when some, my deal is this, stay on their bumper. Stay on the bumper while I put the pressure on them. Keep the pressure on them. Don't let off the pressure. Don't do it. That's, that's the rule, right? That's the rule. That's how it goes. Unless they're on your bumper. And you're like, what, you get off my bumper, right? That's how it works. So, uh, so anyways, this woman, she wouldn't move, wouldn't move. And finally, finally, I, I looked at her and said, mm, mm, get out of the way. If you ain't going to go, mm, mm, like that. And she looked up, and then she looked back down and kind of looked ahead. And she's still messing around. I said, come on, lady, go. Go, go. Next to him, honking, honk, honk, honk. Get out of the way. If you're not going to move, go, go. Now, as if they can hear what you're saying. Finally, she wouldn't do it, and I just, oh, oh, and I got on that shoulder. The shoulder is another lane. So I got in the other lane, praise God. I went around her, gave her a look, and just whoo, took off, right? I thought, well, that's over. So on Sunday, I'm preaching, and uh, after service, I went down. A couple wanted me to meet one of their friends, so I went down. And I said, hi. I said, yeah, you have a good day? Yeah, I said, I said have, we, have we met before? Now, I didn't know what kind of question. Who, who asked that? Well, I said, have we met before? She goes, yeah, we have. We actually have. I said, oh, yeah, really? Where? She goes, you remember that night <clears throat> there was traffic on Prairie Avenue, and you were going, mm, mm. That was me. You were going, mm, too. I said, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Ears started burning, face turning red. Come on, somebody. I tried to make light of it the best I could. She never came back to church, okay? My point is, come on, somebody. I could have done a whole lot better than that. But I let my flesh get involved in that. And that the truth is, is that Proverbs 16.32 says, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than, than he who takes a city. So when I get angry, when I get down, negative news comes to me, bad report, something happens, I don't like it, my flesh starts to rise up, my emotions get the best of me. I, I think of that, I do, I think of that scripture, I go, am I going to rule my spirit right now or am I going to let it release and be angry and mad and say a bunch of stupid stuff I shouldn't say? Am I right? But we got the scripture that says, I'm better than the mighty if I rule my spirit and I found out something else, too, that attract, there's a law of attraction that negativity always attracts negativity. So if I'm negative, somehow the people around me become negative. Negativity attracts negativity. It brings it into your world. That's why in 2019, we got to get rid of the negative voices in our life. 
Now, some of you can't can't because it might be a husband or a wife or it might be somebody that sits next to you at work. There's not much you can do about that, but you can pray in the Holy Spirit. You can bring God on the scene. Come on, somebody, and build yourself back up. But there are other voices that are speaking in your ear that you can do something about. You don't have to hang out with them every night or every weekend. You can say, I can't deal with that because it's making me negative, man. And I'm trying to rule my spirit. My spirit. Truth is, the Holy Spirit will give you encouragement if you keep your spirit right. Proverbs 18, 14 says, the spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness. But who can bear a broken spirit? That's un, that's, a broken spirit means that everything around me breaks. Everything in my world begins to break down. When your spirit is right, it will sustain you, the Bible says. And when you're lonely, it will sustain you. When you're hurting, it'll sustain you. When you've been felt, you feel rejection, it will sustain you. When you're jobless, it will sustain you. All right, so let me give you, uh, for the remaining time that we have, uh, some keys to keeping your spirit right, especially during the time when hell breaks out. Number one, number one, make a decision to keep your spirit up. No matter what, keep your spirit up. No matter what the news is, keep joy in your life. Be joyful. You might not be happy. Happy is emotional. Joy is a decision. It's finding something. It's calculating in your head. What can I find joy in while I'm going through the time that I'm going through? What is it I can find joy in? Now, usually joy is something that we've gotten the victory over, something where we win. Something where there's a good, like a good feeling of I, I was able to overcome this. That was how David was able to, to David was able to go against Goliath. You remember he said these words, I killed the lion. Nobody saw it, but God alone. And I also killed the bear, and nobody saw that either, but God alone. Therefore, I can face this giant with joy, knowing that my God will cause me to triumph over my enemies. If he did it in private, he will do it in public too. So keep your joy no matter what. Why? The joy of the Lord is your strength. And you have a right to it every single day. You don't have to feel condemned about it. He lives in you so joy exists in you already. Number two is keep your peace no matter what. Don't let nobody rob your joy nor your peace. Peace is the empire of your soul umpire of your soul, I should say. And what I mean by that is this. It should be the one that judges what's right and what's wrong. You want to have peace in your decisions. You should not say, ah, I'm going to buy this car anyways, even though I kind of feel a little bit, uh. You should never make a major purchase on something you don't have peace about. Husband and wife, you're called as one. Don't get angry with one another. But you have to come together and say, uh, before we purchase this house or make this uh, uh, agreement on such and such a thing, we will talk it out. If one goes, I feel good about it, but the other one says, I don't, you got to go with the I don't because somebody don't have peace. you got to have unity in your marriage and your decisions. Otherwise, it comes back to bite you. You say, well, I hear God from my household. I know you do, but sometimes God will speak to the other person because you're so stubborn. They're not as, amen, Tom. Tom getting some miracles today. 
Because the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, is that you, you're, everything in you says go, 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 because it's what you like. But the other person's not emotionally invested. So they go, I don't know. You have to back. My wife has saved me from things before because she didn't feel a peace about it. And there are times I talked her into it. And guess what happened? It didn't work out. Tom, put your hand down. We all know this is for you. My goodness. You ought to be at this altar right now asking God to forgive you. But there are times that I should have listened to her, but I did not. I went with my God. I hear God from my family, and it wasn't the right time or it just wasn't the right thing at all. you got to have peace in your decisions together as husband and wife, and that really is a fail-safe, and it works every single time. I promise you, time is not going to hurt you. Don't get pressured under time. Keep your peace. When it comes to a job, it's everything I want. But what does God say about it? Well, it's everything I want, therefore he wants me to have everything I want. Did he ever say that? Did he ever say in his word, I want you to have whatever you want? No, he didn't say that. you got to pray. Ask the Lord because there might be something he might see that you don't see. That will cause you much hardship in the end. And by the way, also keep your faith no matter what. Because the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So my decisions based in faith and based in peace and based in joy keeps my heart sound, my mind sound, my decisions sound, and I've got the power of the Almighty God. Fear is the opposite. It keeps me in a place of discouragement, keeps me in a place of, of depression, anxiety, and worry. When your spirit is down, you have and, you, and when your spirit is down and you have a problem, then it makes it a hundred times worse. But if your spirit is up and you got a problem, you go, okay, my problem really is nothing more than a challenge. And I will arise to the challenge, arise to the occasion, and overcome the challenge. Problems become challenges for those that have a right spirit. Number two. Number two is keep a spirit of faith. Keep a spirit of faith. Kind of covered it, but let me just read this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4.13 and since we have the same spirit of faith, we have that, according to what uh, is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. So uh, the Bible makes it clear that you and I, as believers in Christ, have a spirit of faith. But I found something out. You can go to a faith church that's even called faith builders and still not possess the spirit of faith. Because, why? How do you know you have the spirit of faith? You measure it by the words you speak. So we know that you don't have a spirit of faith when all you speak are fear words. Come on. Words that have no peace. Words filled with anxiety and worry. Look, we're all real human beings. We all really go through these things. But when you have faith, there's something special about faith because the Bible says here in 2 Corinthians 4.13, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we speak. Therefore, faith is a language. So when you have faith, the spirit of faith, you speak faith talk. I wish I'd get two people to agree with me today. 
You know when someone goes, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. It's just, boy, it's beyond me. I mean, I'm over my head. I just pray God will help me some way, somehow. That is not faith at all. That's barely even hope, praise God. The world can talk like that, but faith talk is, you know what? He did it once before. I killed a lion, killed a bear. I'm gonna be, God's going to get me through it. My faith begins to speak on a different level. I just know that somehow, some way, God's going to get me through it. All these years I've been serving the Lord. The things that used to bother me 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, they don't even phase me anymore. I'm talking about the stuff I got lost sleep over, thinking, oh, my God, how is this going to happen? i got to walk by faith. And I train my brain, and I, try to, and I do it, and then finally I get a breakthrough, and I overcome that, that thing. But I noticed something, that every time I got a breakthrough, I got stronger in that area. Because I can look back and go, well, he got me through that. Think of all the stuff he got you through today. You didn't even deserve it, praise God. But he got you through. So you can recall all that, build your faith back up. It reminds me of that woman I was thinking about this morning and how she, she was promised a son by Elisha. She had built this room. And he, he, promised, he, he said, what can I do? She said, a son, Lord. I would like to have a son. Son. He said, by this time next year, you'll be pregnant. you have a son. And she does. Well, the son begins to grow up. He's in the field, comes screaming to the house, my, my head, my head. He's having some sort of aneurysm. And um, she can't help him. She probably laid her, his head in her lap and he stroked, but that's all she could do. And the boy dies. So obviously she's a mom. She's distraught. And so she runs to go after the prophet. Look, I know he's got a word. I know he's got a word. And so she runs to go after the prophet. And when the servant of the prophet saw her running, he recognized her and came to her. And she said, what do you need? Is everything okay? Are you okay? Obviously, she was frantic. And what was the words that came out of her mouth? This woman who was traumatized, what were the words that came out of her mouth? All is well. Even though her heart was breaking, even though her head was screaming, all is well. It didn't mean that it was really well in the natural, but she knew that everything was going to work out. Somehow, some way, this is going to all work out. The feelings I have will always be the feelings I have for the rest of my life. All is well. That's the language of faith. That, that blows people's minds because they can't believe that's what's coming out of your mouth. And that gives glory to God, by the way. Number three, the, uh, uh, number three is a spirit of hope and vision. You have to have a spirit of hope and vision. Why? Because vision brings hope. Vision is what brings hope. Church, what do you see? What's your vision? What, it is, what is it you're holding on to? For you personally, do you have a vision? Do you see something better for yourself than you have today? I know as a church, all of us together, God's given our church a vision. Our vision is to reach the unreached, build the church, and to serve the city. And by the way, you can join our, our church by going to our growth track uh, our growth track class. It's a one class. You sign up for it out there. It's super easy to do. It'll give you the dates and all that. But, but it's our vision. In other words, the reason why I have a vision, because when times get tough, and they have, and when things get lean, and they have. And when things are kind of misunderstood, and they've been, I can go back to the vision. Wait a second. I don't exist for the problem. I exist for the solution. I exist for the vision. I get up in the morning, I go for my vision. Same thing for you every day of your life. Do you get up just to go to work? Most people can say, well, that's what I do. But it's not your heart. It's a stepping stone. Usually those are just stepping stones to get you where you're supposed to be. But when you wake up in the morning, it may be your job, but you have to say, I'm working my purpose. 
I know I was created for this day. I was created for this moment. I was created for this work in my, I was created for this creativity. This is who I am. Now then, you've got hope because you've got vision. If you don't have the spirit of hope and vision, you will perish. Everybody's got to be going for something. Not just punching a clock. Matthew 6.22 says, the lamp of the body is the eye. Wow. And therefore your eye is good. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. Okay? If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. When your vision is bad, your life gets pretty dark. But if your vision is good, your eye is good, you can see everything that needs to be dealt with fixed and to where you are actually going. When your focus is on the wrong thing, your vision will be pretty bad. Your hope level begins to plummet and now discouragement and depression begins to seep in. That's why I say some of you are going to have to change the things you let into your eyes and the things you let into your ears. There are, listen to me, there are podcasts you're listening to you shouldn't listen to. It's fine for a little bit of entertainment, but after a while, those little seeds get dropped in your spirit. You start doubting. You start getting discouraged. You start getting upset and frustrated. How about news? Do we need to talk about news? Some of y'all need to take a little news break, a little snooze. Come on, someone say amen. Right? Because that stuff will get you stirred up. I hate the president. I love the president. I mean, come on. After a while, I got to go away. Everybody's just trying to vie for my attention to keep me clicking, keep me clicking, keep me on their channel. Look, it's all big business. That's what they do. But what's it doing to my soul? I'm getting angry and more frustrated and it's separating me more. We got to watch what's going on in our ears. We got to watch what's going on in our eyes. Number four, have a spirit of, by the way, I quit listening to the news. Like, I love the news. I love the news. I, I like current events. I, I'm into all that kind of stuff. And I have cut that thing down by 90%. I'm just turning on, get what I need, and I'm out of there. Why? Because I'm not going to be sitting there being manipulated by people that want me to know a certain agenda, and that's all they want me to know. Every, America is actually tired of all that nonsense. And then it makes me angry all day long. And who? People. Who I'm supposed to reach and love. Amen. So I turned it off. I said, guess what? I find that I have joy. I got peace. I ain't worried about what's going on right now. I get my little headlines. I pray about it. I move on. Number four, have a spirit of renewal. That means a spirit of change. A spirit of renewal or change. Most of us learn. We can learn things. We get knowledge, but we don't change. Knowledge may be power, but there's, the power isn't put into practice until we apply. Come on, somebody. Transformation only happens when we renew or change our mindsets. Hearing a word like this today doesn't change us. It's the application of that word that changes us. Romans says be transformed. Metamorpho is the Greek word like a butterfly that goes into a, uh, into a um, into, um, what's it called? cocoon, and it comes out a butterfly, a catapult, catapult goes in a, into a cocoon, comes out a butterfly. It transforms from a low worm to a beautiful flying uh, uh, butterfly. Now, how does that happen? Through metamorpho or transformation. So we want our lives to be transformed. It comes by the renewing or the changing of our minds. So we have the prodigal son. Perfect example. He takes all the money from his father, goes and squanders it, ends up in a pig's pen. In the pig's pen, he's thinking, wow. The Bible says, and he came to himself. 
And he says, my, my father's servants are being treated better than I will. At least I'll go back and be my father's servant. I may not be able to be a son, but I'll go back and humble myself and become a servant. What did he do? He changed his mind. He renewed his thinking. He had another thought. He had a new thought. He had an epiphany about his life going, wow, I don't have to live like this anymore. I can do something with my life from here. Then, as he applied that to himself and began to walk those steps of faith, his life began to adjust and begin to change. Come on, somebody. Number five, and finally, have a spirit that finishes. Have a spirit that finishes. I don't know about you, but my dad was big on that. Finish the project, boy. Finish the project. If you start something, you finish it. How many had somebody like that in your life? Finish the project. Follow through. If you're going to do it, do it right. So you go mow the lawn. As a kid, you know how you mow the lawn. You make the box, and you go in the circle, and you keep going in the box. And you try to, get, you try to make it as short as possible, right? So sometimes you leave, the, you leave those little rows of grass because you're trying to make that wheel just be, because you don't want to be out there any longer than you have to be, right? So, and then he come back, he says, come out here. And he show you, what's that right there? What's that? He said, get that lawnmower out, and you finish the job. Do it right. And I go do it. He go, let me show you something, boy. And he said, you see that lawnmower? Is it clean? No, sir. Clean the lawnmower. Once it's clean, then the job's done. I clean the lawnmower. Boy, get out here. Why are the clippings inside of the garage? You sweep them, and then the job is done. Finish the job. Now, now that might seem a little harsh, but it taught me the lesson of when you start something, you complete it. This is not something we do as much as it is something we are. We are called to be finishers. A marathon runner doesn't run 22 miles to say, I did it. No, he's not going to be happy or satisfied until he runs 26.2 miles, which is where the finish line is. And when he crosses the finish line, then he goes, I did. Even if he didn't do the time he wanted, at least he finished the marathon. Amen? That's the same thing with us. Uh, Look what it says in John 4. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. Whatever the Lord gives you, you're called to finish it. So have the spirit of a finisher. By the way, real quick in closing, Abraham, and that's what many of you are called to be. You're called to be an Abraham. Okay? What does that mean? Well, that means that you're the first in your family. Let me ask you a question. How many here are the, maybe the first Christians that you know, the Christians, like following the Lord, go to church, you know, that kind of, in your family, see your hands. Wow, a lot of you. Put your hands down. Well, I'm going to say, first of all, God chose you, which is an honor and a privilege. But to be an Abraham type of a spirit is not easy. And what I mean by that is it sometimes takes you a little bit longer to see what you know is true in here. To come to pass. It took Abraham a hundred years. Thank God it ain't gonna take you a hundred years. You ain't got it. But okay, it took him a long time. And then even after Isaac, it took him a while uh, for him to see even all the other things that God had promised him. He never saw your multitude like the stars of the heaven, the sand and the sea, but that was his destiny. But he saw the beginning portion of it. He was able to complete his assignment, even though his assignment may not look as great as somebody else. But let me just tell you something, Abrahams. Let me tell you something. Without you, there can't be an Isaac. And if there's not you, then there can't be Isaac. And then if there's no Isaac, there's no Jacob, which are the 12. He had the 12 uh, sons, which are the 12 tribes of Israel. Impossible. And without them, there's no Jesus. 
So you see, somebody has got to pay that price. Somebody's got to be willing to finish the work that was sent, even though it might be a little more difficult. And even though your eyes might always see the truth of, not the truth, but the, the, the manifestation of the promise he's given you, you still have to put forth that effort and say, but I'm going to finish. And I'm not giving up until I finish. Some of you are a little bit older in life and you feel like life has maybe, you know, passed you by and it didn't work out the way you thought. No, 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 wait. As long as you're here, that tells me that God's still got something for you. And you might have to dig a little bit deeper, but you've got some more experience that most people don't have. So it may not take you as long. Dig deep. But you got wisdom now. You have, you have experience that, that can take you a lot further, a lot faster. And God wants you to finish it. Now you know you, you got it because there's something in here that just says, I'm not done. It's not complete. Something in me is not satisfied. I know there's something else. Or I know there's something. And maybe I've never seen it before, but I, I know this, it's there. That's the work God's given you. And he wants you to complete it. Did you all enjoy the word today?